You're about to listen to the Meet Mediocrity Podcast, Season 3, Episode 16. My guest today is Lily Kazemi. Lily is an attorney, she's an executive, and she's the founder of Dow Fit Life. Dao, D-A-O, being the Chinese word for path. Dao, D-A-O, also being Lily's acronym for Decide, Act, Outlook. You can find out more about Lily and DowFit Life on her website, DowFitLife.com. Ready to hear more about Lily? Let's get started. Hello, hello. It's your host, Mediocre Mitch, and welcome to the Meet Mediocrity Podcast, Season 3, Episode 16, with my guest, Lily Kazemi. So, Lily and I actually worked together at a big accounting firm, and Lily and I actually have like one degree of separation. We, we actually rarely actually work together, but we all, but we both work with the same people quite frequently. And I had no reason to be in touch with Lily, but I was one night just kind of scrolling through LinkedIn. And I noticed a notation from Lily that she was writing a book. And I said, wow. And, and by the way, the book was about wellness and fitness. And I said, wow, I had no idea Lily, who I knew of, but hadn't worked closely with, was into fitness, had a blog, had her own website, and was writing a book. So, of course, I reached out to Lily. She responded immediately. And she told me an amazing story, which you'll hear about. Um, But she told me about, you know, some toxic relationships that she'd been in, She told me about how the gym became her refuge. She told me how she kind of found a community that worked for her. And she told me how that community um, really changed her life from a a wellness, from a fitness, um, helped her get past her toxic relationships, and, and, and got her to a place where a student became teacher, teacher became blogger, blogger now is about to become an author. So, I'm not going to steal any more of Lily's thunder. Without further delay, here's my conversation with Lily Kazemi. So, Lily, thanks for being with me today. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited, and I have to tell the the listeners, so, Lily, you and I actually are work colleagues, but very loosely so, because we, while we work for the same firm... Um, uh, we we've only touched each other kind of incidentally, maybe a couple of conference calls, but not really on the same team or same projects. I never thought we'd end up meeting like this. When when you pinged me last week, that was the last thing on my mind that you would ask me to be on a podcast. But I'm thrilled that this is the case. So really glad to be here with you. Yeah, well, I'm thrilled and. You know, what what got me to reach out to you was a post that you made on LinkedIn about writing a book about fitness. I said, Lily's writing a book about fitness. This is freaking cool. I'm reaching out to her. She's a podcast guest. And um, 
when you and I started speaking and I started doing a little bit of research and stalking of you on online, <laughs> I, I realized what an interesting person you are and, and, and that there's a lot more to it than simply some random fitness book. So that's going to be the purpose of our conversation today. Sound good? Absolutely. So um, here's the first interesting thing. Lily, you know, you're writing a fitness book, you have a fitness blog, and 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 but you're a highly accomplished, highly educated professional. You're an attorney, you work in an accounting firm, you're you're highly educated, yet yet you're you're interested in fitness. So talk to me a little bit about your background, and then we'll get into the fitness thing. Okay, sure. And I think that, you know, being a lawyer and at a public accounting firm and being interested in fitness, it's not just unique to me. They don't have to be mutually exclusive for anyone. I mean, we've seen with the pandemic, there's been this absolute explosive interest in fitness. So I think that we're seeing a modern trend now of wanting to bridge the gap between corporate culture and fitness culture. And for me, that crossover did start, you know, many years before this situation ever happened. Uh, to give a little bit of a background of sort of how I got here, um, I grew up in Virginia Beach, Virginia. My my parents are Iranian. They left Iran right before the revolution, and I went to college and law school in Virginia. I followed my passion for tax. I'll say tax was my first passion. To Georgetown University to get my master of law and tax. And then I've been in DC ever since. Uh, First, I worked at a large international law firm based in DC. And then I transferred to a public accounting firm in 2011. And I'm about to celebrate my uh, 10-year anniversary there. And when I talk about what got me into fitness, I really like to start with why. Uh And I'm actually borrowing that. I don't know if you read this book by Simon Sinek, Start With Why. He's yep. also a very famous TED Talk. So that's what I he talks about. He's got those golden circles. Yes. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So he's got that golden circle. You can't get to the how and to the what until you start with why. And that's actually a question I pose to my readers from my blog, my book. Like, why are you here and what are you chasing? Because I think that it's purpose that really makes a big goal like fitness, not only attainable, but sustainable. So my why is, is very personal. Um, I was in a relationship with domestic violence for, for 10 years. And luckily in 2013, uh, with support from family, friends, even my employer, I was able to leave that relationship, but I found myself needing to start my life over I was very torn down. My self-esteem was zero. I didn't know where I was going to go from there. And fitness really got me back on my feet. I, I started just in an effort to make my body stronger, uh, go back and uh, start taking these uh, fitness classes. I started with this spin class. And I remember that first class, by the end of that class, I was gasping for air. I didn't think I was going to make it. Uh, but I was determined to keep coming back. And I did. And I happened to have stumbled upon one of those classes where I'm sure everyone has experienced this, where the instructor is this magnetic person who has a following. Sure. Uh, So, yeah, yeah, you know, you've been to classes like that. Like, you know, he was motivating. In fact, I remember I would sit in the back row 
every class. And I would sort of just hide. I didn't want people to see me because I was like, oh, I'm so out of shape. This is so bad. Remember one, one day he came to me and he, he got next to my bike and he had the mic up in his ear. So everyone heard this. And he's like, you know, you're pedaling so slow. You might as well be pedaling backwards. Is that how you want to live your life? Do you want to pedal backwards? Wow. And yeah. And that, that's, that's a probably, bad moment, Lily. That's a bad moment. But you know what? Those words changed my life forever because that lit a fire underneath me. And I was like, I am going to show him. He cannot tell me that. So I kept coming back day after day and I got stronger and stronger. And, you know, I actually found that, you know, and one thing that I, I will say is such an attraction of fitness is it's not, you know, some people are very self-motivated and fitness is a way of them to, you know, unplug you know, go on long runs and, and be alone with their thoughts. But in a lot of ways, it's, it's a community and it's a subculture. And as I went back to that, to that particular class more and more, I found that I was making connections with people. And that's something that I hadn't experienced in a while because my, my situation had left me very isolated because when you're living a double life, you don't want people to know who you really are. You can't be authentic, but I was being authentic. I was telling my story and I was, I was making friends with people who I had absolutely nothing in common with. I'm a lawyer, a consultant. I was making friends with, you know, stay-at-home moms, with college students, you know, younger than me, with people of who otherwise would not mix. Yet we all were, you know, had this passion. And then this fitness instructor who told me I was pedaling backwards, he ended up becoming one of my mentors. And before I knew it, you know, a few months later, I had undergone this transformation, not just physically, but mentally. I was stronger and I kept escalating it. I kept, uh, you know, I started running. I started lifting weights. I, I took yoga classes. I tried all these different things. And as I, you know, ventured into all of these new things, I expanded my network and made more and more friends. And I felt so alive and so connected. And that's just really what made this a sustainable part of my life from there. So it's, so what you're describing is fitness is therapy in many ways, you know, it's because it's not just about the physical body. It's about, you know, getting in the right headspace, surrounding yourself with the right people and, and creating a support network that goes well beyond you and a piece of exercise machinery. It becomes, it becomes, almost a holistically therapeutic. And it sounds like that's how you benefited from it. Absolutely. And part of that therapy is paying it forward. So once I realized how fitness made me feel and how it changed my life, you know, I looked around in my corporate culture and thought, wow, well, this is a culture that is a little bit in some ways antithetical to fitness. I mean, we're sitting at a computer all day, hunched over, shoulders up to our ears, tethered to our smartphones. And how can I, how can I make this a better place? You know, how can I bring this energy? So I started organizing, uh, you know, outings to group fitness classes, to yoga classes, to soul cycle classes. I got my yoga certification um, and I started teaching classes on the rooftop of our Washington DC building. And so I had my own private yoga class. And um, even with the clients that I was working with, you know, I, one of them, uh, we happened to accidentally discover that we were both 
passionate about Soul Cycle and and some other types of workout classes that we like. So it was a very you know complicated uh, case that we were working on. So we'd be on a call and the CFO would be on and all these partners would be on, and then we would make plans you know for our meetings. Uh, a lot of times we we would go to the West Coast where the client was. We'd make plans for the meetings and work on the PowerPoint presentation, and then after that call was over, she would email me quickly afterwards and say, okay, Lily, what soul cycle class are we going to when you get here? That's <laughs> awesome. She, she became one of my great friends and she, uh, she was actually a guest of my, my wedding. I, I actually ended up uh, getting married uh, almost five years ago to a wonderful man. And I really believe that my transformation through fitness, my change outlook on life made me such that I valued myself, but I was actually able to choose a valuable partner who uh, supported me in my dreams. And he has very much so throughout this process. You know, you really, you really hit on so many amazing points. I was, was frantically making notes. And, and, and so just so you know, Lily, I've recorded over 70 podcasts now. I've never written down so many things in the first uh, 10 minutes of a conversation as I have in this one, because you struck so many chords with me. So let me, let me share a couple of those with you. Uh, you'll see what, what did I say, Mitch? <laughs> what did I say? A um, couple of things you said, um, you talked about you know, the pandemic creating a bit of a crossover culture between work and fitness. And I believe that's true. Um, I'm, I'm, my 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 favorite my if my favorite fitness activity is cycling and spin classes. I do a lot of the things you do as well. I do yoga, I do strength training, but I love cycling. And you can't get a bicycle. And 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 if you order a Peloton, which I have one, um, you can wait months and months. So many people during the pandemic have turned to fitness as a way of of improving themselves, but getting through this. And I'm sure not just you, but you've probably run across a lot of people who've done the same thing. Absolutely. I mean, I was doing some research and so Peloton sales reached 1.8 billion in 2020. There was not only a Peloton shortage, there was also what we call the great dumbbell shortage of yes, uh, yes. 2020. You couldn't get any dumbbells you to cannot. lift weights. That's right. It was it was just comical because that that was something that that I was looking at too. But one point that I do like to make, you know, in 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 my blog and um in the book that I'm writing is that fitness is a 24 hour thing. You know, I discovered this. It's it's more than just the hour you may spend in the spin class or on the Peloton or running. Um, it's about being active in your daily life. Like right now when I'm talking to you, I don't know if you can tell, but I'm standing, I have a standing desk. Yep. So I stand most of the day. And nutrition is also a really critical part of fitness, not just for your body, but for your mind. Um, because even you know, having poor nutrition can be responsible for feelings of anxiety and depression. And so approaching it from that standpoint, it's extremely important. And then I like to call the third pillar spiritual fitness. So for a number of years, Agreed. you know, I, I was, I was just very much focused on the physical and I thought, you know, I would go to yoga classes and say, I'm just here to stretch. I don't need to stay here. You know, they, they call the end, the meditation at the end, Shavasana, where yep, you lie Shavasana. down for, yep. This part it's, I work for a public accounting no, firm. No, that's I the best part, Lily. It's nap exactly. time. Exactly. <laughs> I knew that 
Well, you know, but this is the thing you live, you learn, and that's what this process is all about. So I would, I was the person who would get up and leave and, and, and I still see that today. But then once I started to understand the importance of that spiritual fitness element, I actually got into meditation and, and for the past six years, I've, I've made that an active part of my fitness regime. And it's really just like my body changed my brain change. And and scientifically, this is proven. There's, there's a Harvard study that proves that meditation actually decreases uh, the matter in your amygdala, which is the part of the brain responsible for worry and fear emotions and increases the parts of the brain that help regulate emotion, but also focus and memory. And those are incredible, you know, cognitive skills that we need in our jobs. And I found that even since then, you know, I can read faster. I can focus more. I get things done quicker. So that's just been another part of the learning process that I really like to to spread to people through through my messages. Totally true and totally underrated. If people ask me, um, and I've you know I did started this podcast right before the pandemic started, and um, you know I t- tried a lot of things. The two most impactful things in my overall wellness in the past twelve months are a upping my meditation game. And I have a couple of uh, videos and podcasts devoted to meditation. Um, And the second thing is stretching, yoga stretching. I stretch at least 10 minutes every morning. And oh my gosh, my back doesn't hurt anymore. My hips aren't tight anymore. Um, So these things, the underrated things are, are a huge part of overall fitness and wellness. I'm so glad you raised that. Um, the other thing that you said, which really hit me, was um, understanding your why. And everyone says you know, that's a, that's a commonly used phrase, especially when it comes to to fitness. But it's true with everything, you know. Um, even even at work, um, I'll I'll often um, speak to people that I'm I'm coaching. And I'll say, um, I'll ask them why like five times. I'm like, I'm not trying to be annoying. I'm not trying to be a three-year-old. But you really have to ask why five times or or thereabouts to really, really understand your why. And, and you know, you might sit there and, you know, I'm, and, and I'm not putting words in your mouth, but you might say, well, I'm doing this because of an abusive relationship. But you really, it, it might take three levels down to talk about your own self-esteem and your own you know, um, feelings of, of, um, lack of, lack of strength, um, both physically and mentally that, that, that now that's why that is why, because I can make myself a better person in so many ways. And so I, I love the way you, you said that you ask others to really, um, explore their why and how you explored your why to me, that's really meaningful. Right. And it doesn't have to be a complicated reason. And there's definitely instances where it can be part of this transformative process. But I think I have this on my on my website. It's it's this is here for people who want to live happy and healthy lives, who want to be fit, but frankly don't have the time to figure it out because one major constraint in the corporate culture is a lack of time. I mean, we're on, we're on calls. You probably sympathize. You are on calls from morning until the evening time. And, yep. and now we're at home. So we're, we're, it's like, if we don't take other action 
we could literally be sitting in front of the computer for 14 hours straight, but there's got to be a reason that you don't want that. And finding that reason and letting that motivate you just the same way that it motivated you in your career. I mean, I, I make this point. Why, you know, think about how you got to where you got into your career. You studied hard in school, probably since you were five years old, you were concerned about your grades. And then you went to college and you pushed yourself through grad school. You took out student loans. Um, you did all these things because you were motivated by your why in your career to achieve this level of greatness and get to where you are today. And you can find the same motivation on your path to fitness. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And I, I think, you know, it's funny you talked about like having always been this way. Um, I'll say there are two things that you said that I wrote down. I told you I wrote a lot of things down that that um, relate to that. These are, you don't really have to respond, but I'm just going to say it. You and I have a couple of things in common, Lily. Um, first, you live in Washington, D.C., and, and you're Irani, of Iranian descent. Um, I went to school, um, undergraduate school at GW, which is right where you live um, in D.C., and um, my best friends in college, including my college roommate, was Iranian, so we have that in common. Um, the other thing that we have in common is you sat in the back row of spin class when you first started. The very first spin class I ever went to, I – the I the open bike was in the front row, so I got in the front row, and and the instructor comes over to me and whispers, um, "Sir, I really need you to get you in the back row," and I didn't know why, but he literally moved the bike to and squeezed it in the back row, so I was in the back row, and I laid and he comes over to me after the class and he says, uh, "You're new," and I said, "Yeah," and he's like. We're not, you know, with all due respect, we're not going to get people motivated by watching your rear end in the front row. And and that was my introduction to spinning. I'm like, seriously, I'm like, I, so embarrassing. So you were called out. You're in the back row and you were called out for spinning your legs too slow. I was in the front row and I was called out for not being fit enough to be in the front row. So we were both embarrassed, but we didn't quit. <laughs> Exactly. And the, the more, com the more my confidence built up, it's like I moved up rows. I felt more confident to get closer to the front. But I just remember the first day when I sat in the front row and I thought I can do this. And, you know, in defense of that instructor, you know, I know they all mean well, but there's a certain, and I just don't think you could ever replicate this uh, by, you know, home workouts, even, you know, I know that there's these online communities and, right. And and they do a very good job, but sure. but the energy in the room and everyone moving in sync it is just very very powerful. So the so the front oh. row sort of leads that movement. You Listen, know, it's kind I of totally like a, I totally a get it now, but I certainly didn't get it then. Yeah. I was like, so oh yeah, mortified. definitely. I'm like more. That's why people, you know, but you were not afraid to try something new. I mean, that that's, that's right. the thing. That and that's the thing. It can be it can be scary to leave your comfort zone and try something new. But, you know, I saw a saying, it says life begins outside of your comfort zone. And the more I went outside of my comfort zone in fitness and tried things that, you know, maybe I wasn't originally so skillful at, um, the more I felt comfortable to do that in the workplace. So like thinking like, well, I've never done this before. And I, I may not know a lot about this. And they, this may seem very challenging and a very challenging timeline, but you know, I can do it. I can make it work. I can ask for help. Like we're a team. We can do it together. 
Exactly. Exactly. And, and, you know, listen, people, you know, I, I named this podcast Me- mediocrity because what we're talking about here are mediocre moments, right? Um, whether, whether it's, you know, me being embarrassed in a spin class or, or you doing, doing something for the first time. Um, it's about not quitting. It's about trying and not giving up on yourself, whether or not you're having a mediocre moment. Um, and that's, that's, resonates a lot. Now, the thing that you said that, that I also wrote down, you talked about, um, you know, executives, you talked about busy executives who, you know, talk about mediocre, you know, they're so focused on work and they're hunched over their computer for hours on end every day. And um, sometimes they, they put fitness on the back burner. So Lily, I know that you have resonated a lot with busy executives and things that they can do. So I'd like, I'd like to kind of morph into your, um, into your brand um, DAO. Is it DAO fitness or Dow fitness? How do you pronounce it? It's, it's, it's Dow fitness and it's both an acronym and a meaningful word. Dow is the Chinese word for way. So it's, it's the path. It's the path of fitness and Dow is an acronym for, Decision, action, and outlook, which is a three-part framework I've designed for professionals who want to be fit but just want a simple plan to do it. Really, that really resonates with me, Lily, because I'm a busy executive, and you came up with a program that resonates will probably resonate with with many people, not just executives. But as you were putting this together, you're an executive with an executive mindset. Tell me how you know, someone who's being introduced to Dow Fitness um, will be able to apply it to their own busy work lifestyles? Well, I would say that the main way that it applies is it's not about changing your life dramatically to be fit. And I even say this in my introduction, it's that I am not, you know, what I have to offer is I'm not a fitness guru or a trainer who this is my full-time job and I can spend hours in the gym and hours planning and prepping meals. I make fitness fit into my life and not the other way around. And you can do the same. And the main way to do that is A, it's a change in mindset. And I think we talked about that a good bit. But B, it's also changing small habits throughout the day that cumulatively add up to change the way that your life is. It's about all the little things because fitness is, it's never just about one workout or one meal or one day. It's a, it's a progressive journey. And the key is to not just, you know, jump on some fad or, you know, some like quick fix. There are no quick fixes. The key is to make fitness not only attainable, but sustainable. We talk a lot about sustainability these days, but sustainability is about making these investments and changing these small habits throughout the day. Like if I can give an example of that. So for meditation, it's like, well, you know, how do I, how do I make time to meditate? Well, think of some of the habits you may have that you can actually just replace. So wake up in the morning, right? We all wake up in the morning, but a lot of people reach for their phone to check their emails or their social media. And you know what I call that? I have an acronym for that. It's OPP, 
other people's priorities. <laughs> That's what that represents. Yeah. Um, and 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 social media, Facebook and Instagram are other people's pictures. But if you switch that up and make it, you know, your priorities first, which is your mental and physical fitness, and and say like, okay, well, I'm going to meditate, and I'll I'll do you know do my workout before anything else gets in the way. That's a small habit that you are changing, but that's already made a huge difference. And those habits, we all have habits. We all do them throughout the day. But just taking a inventory of that and making adjustments to those can make a huge difference in the long term. And they don't. And, and I like the word adjustments because you don't need to sit there and say I'm I'm starting a, a regimen. You can make a small change. And and I I've started to do that myself. Like. You know, I might, I'm not embarrassed to do a 15 minute spin class, or I'm not embarrassed to say, you know, I'm, I'm going to go down and do a weight in, in my basement. I've got, I, I have dumbbells because I got them before the pandemic, but um, <laughs> I might say, I'm going to go downstairs and do a 10 minute, like strength training circuit, 10 minutes. It's better than what I would have done, which is like grab grab some pretzels and checked out ESPN. Like it's far better to do a 10 minute strength training circuit. So it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be an enormous lifestyle change. It's tweaks and being mindful of those tweaks that can make a huge difference when they all get added up. Absolutely. And, you know, when you mentioned executives, actually a lot of the inspiration came from some research I did that a lot of very prominent CEOs uh, are very into fitness and meditation. And I was reading about one of them, a CEO of a large social media company, who said that his workout, he does these seven-minute workouts. And it's this very intense circuit that you do for seven minutes. And there's all kinds of um, apps that have that. I actually have an entire post devoted to fitness apps and how to choose the one that's right for you. But Technology is a double-edged sword. It makes it, it can be a downfall, but it also makes it so easy. So you can find so many ways to do a great workout in under 10 minutes or integrate it, bake it into your schedule. So one, one other hack I have is that I, I walk a lot of times when I'm doing calls. And now obviously you have to use your best judgment and know when it's good to do that. But if you're on a call, a technical update call with 50 people and you're not speaking, that's a perfect opportunity to get on the treadmill or now that the weather is lovely, go outside and you can get a 45-minute walk. And if you do that several times throughout the day, you can get a lot of activity within your day. Agreed. And I really want to spend a few minutes here turning to the book because that that's that's what attracted me to to reach out to you is the fact that you're you're writing a book and that's your passion project. So tell me a little bit about the book. Where are we on it and when can we actually get our hands on it? Okay, great. Absolutely. Um well I started writing it a few years ago, actually, because the more I got into fitness and was, you know got my friends into it, got my colleagues into it. I don't remember who said it, but someone said, Lily, you should start writing this stuff down that you're saying and, and tell me, you know, tell us how you did it and how you keep doing it. So that sparked the idea for the book. So, you know, being as busy as I am on, on weekends, you know, I just started writing where I could and making time what I could. And over the years, I've, I developed this manuscript, but the pandemic was really kickstarted 
this into something where I can see the finish line. So I, I worked a lot on the manuscript just because of the time that, you know, no travel and, and other types of like, you know, no commuting. But that time I got back, I used it to work on the book and have a manuscript. And then as a way to uh, engage my audience for the book, I started a Dow Fit Life blog as well. And I'm hoping to uh, publish the book this year, either through a series of eBooks or with a publisher uh, once uh, you know, I've gotten a critical mass with the audience for the blog. Well, I've had a, I've had um, guests on the podcast who both self-published and published with a publisher. Um, in the year 2021, both are, are equally acceptable. And frankly, you know, you one can morph into the other over time. So um, what I, I really can't wait. So you're, you're thinking 2021 is the year that that project will be complete and, and out there for us to read. I'm thinking 2021 is the year, but been it, you know, self-improvement, that, that is definitely never complete. So even if I put something out there, I'm probably going to continue to put content out there as I learn and learn from others. Actually, through the blog, I've learned a lot from my audience and they keep giving me great ideas and suggestions. And I work that into, into the content that I put out there. So I'm really just looking to start a dialogue change people's lives and make them happier. That's my ultimate goal. Well, let me, well, well, listen, I, I think, you know, while we're waiting for the book and even after the book is out, um, people need to visit you at doubtfitlife.com. It, you, you know, so I was an English major when I went to GW. Um, I am a bit of a geek when it comes to writing and I'm all, my, my wife always gets mad at me because I'll correct her, her, I'll correct her text messages. Like, and she, she like hates it. I'm like, uh, you need a comma in that sentence. And she's like, are you kidding me? It's a text message. Um, but you're very well written. My point is you're very well written. Obviously your background would, would dictate that, but um, it makes it, you makes your blog a very enjoyable read. Um, I've read a few of your posts and I'm like, this is so well organized and so well articulated that it actually makes the blog posts more meaningful. So I'm saying that not to, to, to comp, well, A, to compliment you, um, but B, for those people who are considering, oh my gosh, there's so many fitness blogs, there's so many places to go. Um, as someone who's a bit of a, a um, uh, reading, uh, reading and writing critic, your, your stuff, your content may be some of the best content I've read because it's so well written and so well organized. So I do highly recommend it. Good job, Lily. Thank you so much. And can I say that um, I've really enjoyed uh, being on this, um, and it's just been it's just been a pleasure just getting a chance to to reconnect with you again. And again, a great thing about fitness, it brings people together. If it, it's not for that, I wouldn't have had the chance to connect with you right now. And I'm very grateful for that. Well, and now we're going to make excuses to work together at work more. So it's going to become a double win for both of us. Yes. Why not? I mean, I really think that the, the two, the corporate culture and the fitness culture can form these great synergies if we use the right tools. A hundred percent. Well, Lily, thank you again for joining me. I really appreciate you taking the time and I'm really looking forward to your book. Thank you for having me. All right. Take care. Okay. That's a wrap. And 
I found Lily to be super articulate and incredibly impressive. And I really like her messages. They resonate with me. I'm a busy executive, um, and she resonates with busy executives. Her DAO Fit Life, D-A-O, Decide Outlook, Decide Act Outlook, really is designed and really is focused on busy executives who want the benefit of being fit, and they need a simple plan to accomplish it. And they need a way to make fitness fit into their busy lives. Lily has, if you read Lily's um, blog on her website, you'll see that this is her focus. This, this is who she really resonates with. Look, she resonates with, with almost anyone. But those busy people who kind of say, I don't have time for fitness or I can't fit everything in. Well, you can. You just have to view the time you do have and the things you can do through a different lens. And Lily helps us do that. So again, check out Lily at her website, DowFitLife.com. And while you're at it, while you're cruising the internet and checking out DowFitLife.com, you might also want to check out MeetMediocrity.com. You might want to, um, when you're on MeetMediocrity.com, put in your email address so you can get a copy every week of the Meet Mediocrity email newsletter. And while you're on the internet and visiting DowFitLife.com and MeetMediocrity.com, you might want to go to YouTube.com and type in Meet Mediocrity and check out the Meet Mediocrity vlog. I post four-minute videos every week, one aspect or another of health and wellness, tips and tricks, and um, subscribe when you get there to the Meet Mediocrity vlog on YouTube. And other than that, all I would ask that you continue to do is enjoy the spring weather, keep smiling, stay healthy, be well, and have a great week. Take care, everyone.